Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. And we welcome you into episode 137 of the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. My name is Greg Frank. We'll hear from Mike Niemer in just a little bit. But we want to first intro a little bit about what we're going to be talking about on this episode 137 as we're speaking with Evan Bixby from Pine Gate Renewables. Evan is the Vice President of Strategy and Analytics. And he'll talk with Mike to discuss how he got into the renewable space after being a physics major in college. And he'll also talk about how Pinegate is leading the charge into the solar culture. But first, a word from our COO, Ann Niemer. Ann Niemer here, COO of eRenewable. If you are a wind, solar, or battery storage developer and you're looking to find an off-taker, our online live auction is a perfect platform to help you find that buyer. Conversely, if you're a CNI customer and you're looking to establish a PPA or VPPA, our auction platform could work for you. To learn more about how we can assist you with your power purchase agreement, visit us at eRenewable.com. And now, back to the Green Insider. Well, Evan, welcome to the Green Insider in episode 137. We appreciate your time today. How's everything going there with you and Pinegate? Thanks for having me, Mike. It's uh, been going really good here. Um, you know, we've grown exponentially, but for a little bit of background on Pinegate, uh, we were founded back in 2014, uh, and I started with Pinegate in 2018. Uh, and at the time, I was a, you know, what's the equivalent of our kind of entry-level uh, business development analyst at the time. Um, and, you know, we've grown quite a lot over the past four years since I've been here. I was employee number 40, something like that. Uh, now we're up over a thousand employees between us and our sister company, uh, Blue Ridge Power. Um, and Blue Ridge Power is an engineering procurement and construction company uh, that's based right here in Asheville, where our headquarters is. Uh, and they perform all of our EPC work on all of our portfolio. Uh, but they're also starting to do third-party EPC work, which for us, it's it's really cool to be able to see because it helps keep them competitive when they're bidding on us. If we were their only customer, they wouldn't be as competitive as they are as they're going out and, and doing third-party work. So. Uh, to see that growth, uh, you know, we acquired them back in 2021, and the amount of impact and change that they've been able to drive within our organization in terms of innovation and being able to get out ahead of, of new technology when it comes to the EPC side of the business has been really beneficial for Pinegate's growth and uh, innovation and impact within all the markets that we operate in. Man, that's fantastic. But, but what kind of growth is that from uh, 40 employees to over 1,000 employees in four years? I mean, that... That is uh, growing by leaps and bounds over there. But really the interesting thing for me is, how did you get into the renewable space? I see that you studied physics in school. How did you end up mm -hmm. coming to renewables? Uh, yeah, so I originally wanted to be a high school physics teacher actually. And I think that uh, that instinct and that passion is really uh, treated me well within this industry because a lot of it is just being able to educate people, whether it's uh, internal education or financing parties, um, people that you're working with. Uh, it all really just comes down to education, especially when you work in an innovative industry like we do, where things are always moving faster than most people can keep up. But uh, I used to work at a community-based nonprofit in upstate New York that was really focused on community outreach and education. Um, and as we saw, this was back in 2015, 2016, roundabouts, 
Uh, as we start to, started to see the community solar program start to take off in New York, uh, we got really involved in the stakeholder process at the PSC. Um, you know, we had a lot of contacts at NYSERDA, so we were always able to, to keep up uh, with what that looked like. And we started to develop our own projects, actually. Um, and at the time, our, our funding was starting to dry up. I uh, wasn't really sure what the future of that looked like. And Pinegate scooped me up to be a business development and policy coordinator. And I remember the first question that I got asked in my first day, you know, we were really perfect developers. First question that I got asked is, what is a node, right? And that started this whole saga of diving into wholesale markets. We were able to finance our first project in PJM in early 2020. And since then, it's really taken off to the point where now we have 1.1 gigawatts of operational assets across the U.S. with 907 megawatts under construction and an active development pipeline of 18.6 gigawatts across 26 states. So we really got our, our roots, our, our bread and butter was originally North and South Carolina purpose development, uh, but now everywhere from Oregon to Rhode Island, we have some kind of presence uh, in just about every market across the U.S. So it's been really exciting to not just see the growth, but to really have a, an impact on that growth across the organization. What my team does is, you know, I'm the vice president of strategy and analytics, and our team really helps support all of our internal teams with the hardcore analytics to really help drive informed decision making. So being able to look at things like basis, congestion curtailment, how do we expect our contracts and our hedges to settle in a lot of these wholesale markets? Where are the places that we should be go putting new projects on what nodes, what specific transmission lines and substations to be able to drive the most value for the overall system and the project as a whole? And then we have a fully integrated soup to nuts from greenfielding, project siting, all the way through development. Now with VRP, we have the construction side. And then really what we're extremely good at is financing projects, especially through M&A. And what we really like to do is solve problems. That's the place where we feel most comfortable. We like to go find projects that maybe on the face of it don't look like they are the best home run of a project. But really, because we have the experience and the knowledge throughout the entire project development lifecycle, we can take those projects and get them done where other developers may, uh, may not be able to. Because we do have very in-depth knowledge on the contracting side, on the financing side, on the development side, and now on the EPC side with our relationship with Blue Ridge Power, it really makes it easier for us to go find solutions to problems that other firms may not be able to. Well, that's something. You know, uh, to go back in the beginning of your talk about you coming over uh, or go, coming from physics into this market and you wanted to be a teacher that you came to this market because education was needed there. That's why we started the mm -hmm. podcast, The Green Insider, is we kept getting asked so many questions. Uh, we need to educate people about what goes on out there. And that was the premise of starting The Green Insider was to educate people. So you're spot on on your observation. We had the <laughs> same observation. But the, the question I want to ask you is, what is it about the Carolinas, why is so many renewable developers in the Carolinas? What's going on there? That is there anything special going on there that's making so many developers find their home there? You know that answer? Uh, well, I think it's one of the it's one of the places that development really got its start through PERPA back in the early 2010s, I would say, was when that really started to blow up. And for Pinegate, you know, we really have a lot of excellent relationships in North Carolina. And I think that's really been able to allow us to drive development in the Carolinas. And, you know, it's easy for people to develop in their, in their home state, right? Uh, right? The thing that gets me really excited is being able to go find those new markets where perhaps people haven't 
traditionally been able to develop projects before, haven't been able to do a lot of solar historically. And it's our view that eventually everywhere in the U.S. is going to have demand for renewable energy. It's just the wave that is coming, it's kind of unstoppable at this point. Um, and so the question that we ask ourselves isn't why are people in this market? Uh, the question that we ask ourselves is how can we be successful in that market uh, where perhaps others haven't been able to in the past, right? It's easy to, to ride the coattails of other developers. You know, that's a business model that's been tried and true across the industry. But the thing that I really love about Pinegate is we don't swing once, right? We swing for the fences pretty much every time. So if we're going to go enter into a new market, if we're seeing places that, you know, perhaps solar development hasn't happened in the, in, in the past, we're seeing or, and asking the question of, you know, why, why hasn't this been happening in the past? What are the historical roadblocks that have been uh, causing that to happen? And how can we use our capabilities as a, you know, essentially fully vertically integrated developer to go make that happen in places where it hasn't before? Man, that's phenomenal. Did you say for the 18 gigawatts, you're across, you'll be across 26 states? Is that what you said? 26 states, yes. Wow, man, that, that's half the U.S. And, you know, that's beyond just the deregulated areas. You're going into a lot of regulated areas, too. So good for you guys. I mean, that's awesome. So when you go into a project, do all or almost all of your project contain both solar and some, some type of battery storage project on the same, on the same location? Increasingly, yes. You know, we just see it as such a, a wonderful opportunity. You know, historically, solar is really beholden to transmission constraints, generation profiles, and you're really just an as-available resource, right? You're not able to participate as much as you could in a wholesale market without the optionality of having hybrid resources. So now we're looking at both solar-only resources, hybrid resources, and increasingly standalone battery storage resources as well. Um, but really, it becomes about the value of that clean electron and the value of being able to dispatch and control when you're actually selling that clean electron. You're no longer just being a price taker when you're a hybrid resource. You're able to look at that market and say and predict, well, when is the actual most valuable time for me to be injecting this green electron? And so you see those kinds of opportunities pop up all over the U.S., but it really becomes a, an issue of finding the right partners. You know, we're not necessarily a, a software company, finding the right partners who can do that control can help us navigate those markets to make sure that we're doing that in the most effective manner. With regards to your battery storage projects, you know, here, I'm in Texas, I'm in Houston, so uh, ERCOT, when we had our freeze last year, all those four-hour batteries really only produced 2.2 hours or whatever it was during the freeze, you mm -hmm. know, they didn't live up to what they, on paper, said they were going to do. That battery... Mm -hmm. That battery storage technology is continuing to improve on, you know, every day they're finding different ways to improve it and, and lengthen the life of those batteries. What do you see down the pike? If you had a crystal ball, where do you ultimately see the battery storage going to? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, I think lithium ion transparently is imperfect solution to the problem that we're trying to face. Um, but I think if you look at some of these more, you know, let's call them avant-garde storage technologies, things like long-duration storage, hydrogen storage, the markets aren't necessarily set up and designed to compensate those resources for the full suite of their capabilities. When you look at the flexibility aspects of things like long-duration storage, you get paid for, in a capacity market, for instance, you get paid on a power basis, 
but you pay for the storage itself on a energy basis, right? So you're not really aligning the types of incentives in terms of the way that the CapEx is structured with the way that the markets actually compensate you. So for instance, in PJM, you know, you get a something like a 80% capacity factor right now for a four hour battery, right? If you go up to a six hour battery, well, then you get up to a, you know, 90, 95% high nineties capacity factor, but past that, there's really no financial incentive for you to be that type of long duration storage, right? So um, it's uh, it's all about being able to look at what's happening on the technology side and seeing, okay, well, you know, these different types of batteries are starting to become more economic as people are starting to invest in them. How can we get the markets to catch up to actually incentivize those types of batteries that we know will provide a ton of value to the overall grid and the overall system, um, right? And that's why I, I'm really excited that we have such a uh, in-depth and robust regulatory and government affairs team because it allows us to look at, okay, well, here's the technology landscape that's coming down the pipeline. What do we need to do on the market side to better align the technology that we're seeing coming down the line? Uh, a lot of what my team does is we look five, seven, 10 years out and see what are those new technologies coming down the line? Uh, how can we best position ourselves today so that we have the portfolio to have the skin in the game to actually go fight those fights? Uh, and then how can we work with various regulators, utilities, RTOs, ISOs, um, to make sure that we're capturing as much value as possible for that portfolio. Well, that makes perfect sense. So with all the solar that you guys have put in and that you're going to put in uh, through the pandemic, supply chain has been a big issue. So have you had projects delayed because of the solar panel issues, not being able to get them from China or whatever? Walk us through some of those supply chain issues you guys have had and where you see some of the uh, some of those supply chains issues going away and starting to get back to normal. Yeah, so one thing that I was really proud to see uh, when the, some of those tariffs were announced was the nimbleness and the ability of our, our partner in Blue Ridge Power to be able to react to a lot of those you know, tariff changes and, and supply chain logistics impacts. So as soon as that happened, they were able to go out, immediately adjust, go talk to our suppliers, figure out how might our portfolio and our supply chain be impacted by that. And within a week, they had a, a, a new plan to be able to say, well, this is exactly how we're going to mitigate these impacts. This is our, our, our next steps. These are our actions. And uh, you know, within that week, we had contracts signed for new panels that would not be uh, impacted by those kinds of tariffs. So by having the the EPC expertise on the Blue Ridge Power side and having the development, the markets, the regulatory and the, the government affairs expertise on the Pine Gate side, having that marriage between those two capabilities allowed us to be very nimble. Um, so uh, while you know, we were impacted by the tariffs, one thing that we're really looking forward to is looking at the impact of new legislation such as the Inflation Reduction Act. The thing that we're really excited about is just the certainty that we'll have those tax credits in the future, right? People in our industry often talk about riding the solar coaster. Uh, well, the solar coaster is something that we have to ride and we will continue to ride. But as much as we can avoid riding that solar coaster, uh, the better that we'll be able to plan, we'll be able to raise money, uh, we'll be able to continue to develop projects in a way that is beneficial for our investors as well as the community. Well, you know, uh, if I recall, you know, President Biden put the new plan in place for the next two years. I'm sure everybody's hoping to get that extended so that we need more than that two years to be able to reach some of these lofty ESG goals that everybody has about being sustainable by 
40 percent by 2030 or 50 percent by 2030 and then 2040 and 2050 those are hard goals to reach uh without mm -hmm. some consideration from uh the government side i think and so i don't know what your mm -hmm. feeling is what what ultimately needs to be done for our whole country to reach some of those uh the carbon reduction plans and the sg plans that people have yeah absolutely um I think in, in many cases, until there's action, a lot of those uh, RPSs are, are just lofty goals, right, that, that people can pretty easily just throw out there and say, oh, yeah, we'll get there by 2050. Um, but you know, personally, my goal is to decarbonize the economy as fast as possible, and then we all get to retire early, right? So, uh, But one thing with Pinegate, when it comes to those kinds of conversations, we don't just really participate in trade or uh, trade association phone calls and get updates. Uh, we actively work to implement the policies that are favorable, both to Pinegate uh, Renewables and the industry as a whole. A lot of this is not a zero-sum game, right? A rising tide lifts all boats. And so I've been really proud of our RG&A team in the past where uh, you know, we make decisions that aren't just good for Pinegate, but are good for the industry uh, or the market as a whole. That includes super in-depth knowledge around RTO and ISO affairs, state regulatory affairs, as well as federal policy and, and trade matters. So having that in-house expertise to navigate those issues allows us to see around corners in ways that give us a competitive advantage and allows us to you know, work with communities in a way that is much more impactful, right? One thing around the IRA and other kind of policies that do help to ensure that, that reliability within the overall market is it allows us to be better partners with the communities that we work with. We are going out, we're making promises to communities to say, yeah, we're going to develop a project here. We're going to invest tax dollars in your community. The last thing that we ever want to do is have to pull out that project because some, you know, federal tariff happens that kills a project and now we're breaking promises to that community. So it really does matter to the people and, and the, the communities that we develop in because ultimately we want to be a good neighbor, right? We want to build the trust of those local communities and we can do that more effectively uh, as these policies become more ingrained and gives us more confidence to go develop at a full sprint. Well, speaking of communities, I know you guys are very active within your community in general, and you guys have a program called Pinegate Impact. Why don't you tell the listeners about Pinegate Impact and what you all are doing there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we really are focused on making an impact locally, environmentally, and globally uh, through our Pinegate Impact program. Uh, it really addresses five core areas, uh, environmental impact, which really we focus on through our solar culture program, reforestation, uh, global community support, local community support, and green energy, our green energy footprint. So solar culture in particular is something that I'm really proud about. It's a, a combination of solar development practices and permaculture practices. And so, for instance, you know, some of the things that we've done is, you know, lots of developers talk about pollinator-friendly solar, right? But there's a lot of thresholds within pollinator friendly, right? You can do clover as ground cover, or you can go up to the, the level that we've gone to where we've actually done native prairie restorations under some of our projects. And then we'll get beekeepers to come on site uh, to uh, actually have bees pollinate the native pollinators. And, you know, the honey that you get from those, those hives is some of the best honey that I've ever tasted in my life, because it's not just going to some monocrop uh, alfalfa field, it's being able to feed and forage off of all these native forbs and native pollinators and the honey, the pollen that they get is so diverse that it really creates a very complex, delicious flavor uh, within the honey. 
And so you know, when we're developing projects, we're always looking at what is the most impact that we can make on that community. So it's more than just planting flowers on site. It's looking at things like uh, wildlife permeable fencing so that we're not impacting the traditional migratory pathways when we're building a multi-hundred acre solar farm. You know, we really try and be creative in the way that we approach development to make sure that we are having the, the lowest amount of impact uh, on that land as possible. We also do things such as, uh, you know, we're partnered with uh, the Arbor Day Foundation for reforestation efforts around the country with Give Power to provide solar power desalination and water purification plants uh, to give communities in need around the world access to clean drinking water. So we really do look at, and we have an internal fund as well, where particularly project managers who are really the folks who are going out and being the face of Pine Gate within these communities and are really talking to uh, neighbors, local government officials, um, they're getting a lot of feedback about what are the things that these communities need. Uh, so we have an internal fund that allows people to propose for projects that they're working on. Hey, we want to invest in a, a playground for this local community because this is what the, the local officials told us that they really need, right? Those types of initiatives that allow us to, again, make that impact felt within the communities that we develop projects. in. Well, congratulations to you guys. You should stand very proud of what Pine Gate Impact is about and what it's doing out there because that's just phenomenal. You don't always hear those kind of stories and uh, thank you for sharing that with us and our listeners today. Uh, very much appreciated. Well, you know, in April, you and I yeah. uh, and my wife, Ann, we met at the NEMA conference in Austin. Will you be going to the mm -hmm. NEMA Atlanta conference? Uh, I'm not sure yet, uh, but uh, I'll definitely keep an eye out. I know uh, the conference schedule is always pretty packed, so it's always kind of balancing between all the ones that are happening across the U.S., but we'll definitely be making our presence known at a lot of conferences across the U.S. this year. Well, good. Hopefully I'll run into you again at uh, one or more of those conferences, because I know in the renewable sustainable market, there's more conferences than any industry I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's putting it's one crazy. on. So, I, so I'm sure we'll be crossing our paths in person uh, in, the, in the fall sometime, because that's when all the conferences are. Evan, thank you for joining us on the Green Insider. We appreciate everything you told us today. And uh, good luck to not only you, but to Pine Gate Renewable. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the opportunity, and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Very good. And that will do it for episode 137 of the Green Insider, powered by your renewable. Thanks to Mike and Evan for making that all happen. And please make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you may get your podcast from and leave us a five-star rating because as the saying goes, you learn something new every day, and we were responsible for today's lesson. Keep an eye out for this week's Follower Friday as we'll check back with an old friend. That's right, Jack Duack will join as we caught up with him back on episode 92. And Jack is the principal and founder at the Advanced Energy Capital. As he'll discuss the upcoming conference that they have going on in September. So again, that's our Follower Friday. That'll be episode 138 of the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. And again, that conference that Jack will be speaking about is coming right up. So make sure to tune in as the conference is up in September. That'll do it for episode 137. Thanks to Evan Bixby again for his time. For Mike Niemer, I'm Greg Frank. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your day.